Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. My name is Greg Anderson, and it's really good to be with you all uh, this morning for a session on leadership traits of long-tenured youth ministers and churches of Christ. Uh, you may think that's a really long class title, uh, and it is a long class title. It was also the title of my, my doctoral dissertation that I completed at Pepperdine last year. And so excited to be able to be back on campus to share um, the results of the research and also report on the findings. I have a real heart for youth ministers. Uh, I serve as a youth minister for about 10 years. Uh, for a lot of those years, I had no idea what I was doing uh, and kind of stumbled my way through. Uh, God uh, surrounded me by a lot of very highly competent, uh, caring people. Um, and so I wanted to pay that forward and decided when I worked on my study that I wanted it to be something that would hopefully equip youth ministers to not just do their jobs well, but to do their jobs well for a really long time. And so that's where we're heading today. And uh, it's a lot of material, so I want to go ahead and jump right in. I'm also very happy to send you a copy of this slide deck if you would like to have it. You see my email address up there. My cell phone number is listed there. Feel free to text, call. I'm also happy to send you a copy of my dissertation, uh, which will be great if you're having trouble falling asleep. Uh, you uh, will be more than happy to uh, read it. So let's pray, and then we'll start. Father God, thank you for the blessing of this morning. Thank you for men and women in our fellowship who serve in youth ministry. Thank you for shepherds who partner with them for the sake of our teenagers and their families. I pray this information, Father, will act as seeds in fertile soil and that the implications will be profound for many years to come. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I'll tell you just a little bit about the study. Um, the purpose was to really determine leadership practices and strategies that are used by long-tenured youth ministers and I specifically study youth ministers and churches of Christ. The benchmark for long tenure is 10 years. And so I, I studied individuals who have been at the same church for at least 10 consecutive years in the position of youth ministry. I first thought when I launched the study that I would have a hard time finding uh, enough people to have uh, you know, a really, really uh, good uh, cross-section but we identified uh, about 25 individuals in Churches of Christ who had been at the same church for at least 10 years. Ultimately, 15 people participated in this qualitative study. Uh, all of my subjects were interviewed at the National Conference of Youth Ministries last year uh, in uh, Florida. And so it took me about uh, four months to compile and publish the data. And so that's what we'll be talking about uh, today. There were four research questions that comprised my study, and what I'll do this morning is go through each one of these research questions and show you the um, feedback that subjects gave and then the conclusions that I drew from um, that feedback. Uh, the research questions were what leadership strategies and practices are employed by long-tenured youth ministers and churches of Christ, uh, what challenges do they face when they implement those strategies and practices? Um, how do youth ministers measure success um, of leadership strategies and practices? And what recommendations would they make to those who are uh, in or entering uh, youth ministry, those in their profession? Um, so the timing of the study complements a lot of other research out there that's taking place right now in the field of youth ministry, and I think this is a really good thing. Uh, youth ministry is still a relatively new phenomenon. Um, the first time youth minister was used was in the 1950s, and that was in uh, the Baptist church. And so in our fellowship, we really only began um, wading into those waters in the 1970s, and so it's still a relatively new discipline for us. And we're learning and we're growing curricula, and our universities is changing, uh, and that'll be a really good thing when I get to some of the information that I'll share a little bit uh, later on. Uh, a lot of emerging interest in um, church leadership, period, not just in Churches of Christ, and there's a real void in the literature related to leadership development in youth ministry. I was actually quite amazed at how much is not there when it relates to developing youth ministers. And um, I do think also there's gonna be some things that'll help key stakeholders, uh, especially in Churches of Christ, as we think about the future of youth ministry. Um, and one thing I will tell you, if you're here as an elder and you're thinking about firing your youth minister, please call me first, okay? 
please call me first. Because I think there's um, sometimes it's really, really easy to fall into a trap of um, making unwise decisions on limited information. So hopefully some of this information will help. When I reviewed the literature, I can't go into a lot of that because that was about 50 pages of the dissertation was just a literature review. But there was at least one or two takeaways that I thought was really, really important. I will show you the outline of uh, what I reviewed in the literature. Uh, four specific leadership frameworks that I paid a lot of attention to. Uh, servant leadership, transformational leadership, moral leadership, and um, uh, spiritual leadership. Found some of these themes. Uh, when I began processing the findings, um, but really uh, mostly spiritual leadership and servant leadership kind of surfaced as two of the ones that I saw the most. And one of the things that I saw that I did not really do a deep dive on, so I had to come back and include this in my Chapter 5 observations, is uh, some information on emotional intelligence. And I'll, I'll come back and say more about that here in just a bit. Uh, I did look at the his history of youth ministry in the United States, uh, historical review of youth ministry in churches of Christ, and uh, focused on the importance of youth ministry and then some of the challenges that they face. And so, as I said, about 50, 55 pages in the lit review itself. One of the key takeaways is that early youth ministry in the United States impo impacted modern Bible class structures more than I realized. And so I really thought that it was churches that introduced Bible classes, and that's not true. Um, one of the shakers and movers of Bible classes was actually the YMCA, and I did not know that. And so the Bible study movement started in parachurch organizations, not in the church. They had so much success that many churches adopted their ideas and so the Sunday school movement was born. And what's fascinating about that to me is my realization, my aha moment is, is that Bible class, that's a philosophical construct more than it's a theological construct. And I think that's important to understand because for a lot of our churches, Bible class is a religious thing, right? It's a, it may be even a heaven-hell issue. And it's really just a tool in our toolbox. It's a means to a gospel end. So if churches get creative with it or whatever, uh, it's really not a right or a wrong. We should be asking questions, what helps us grow in our faith and bring people to Jesus? A lot of challenges to youth ministry. It can take a tremendous toll uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I saw that uh, in some of the findings um, through uh, my interviews that I did with the participants. Um, also, there can be poor supervisory relationships, and that can contribute to a power distance. And that'll make a little bit more sense here in just a few moments. A uh, lot of high-profile moral failures. So anytime someone in ministry fails, uh, the media has a tendency to jump on that. And um, so it, it, people, is, in general, don't seem to trust religious people as much as we used to. Uh, and then lack of vetted academic research has really challenged seminaries and universities to create curricula that really meets leadership development needs of youth ministers. And uh, so I'm hoping that the study will help mitigate some of that in the future. So let's talk a little bit about findings. This is very fine print on this next slide. Uh, but I had 15 individuals who participated in the study. One, uh, 14 of those were males. Uh, one uh, young lady was female uh, who had been in her church for just over 10 years. I actually identified one additional female who had been in her church for 10 years but it was after the study was completed, and so I couldn't roll her information into this particular study. Uh, the age demographics, I had eight individuals who were between the ages of 40 and 49. Remember, they have had to have been at the same church for 10 years, so it makes sense why the ages are a little bit older. Uh, 30 to 39, 4, and 50 to 59, 3. Yes, we do have youth ministers and churches of Christ in their 50s. Okay. Uh, 100% of the participants were Caucasian, and 100% of the participants were married. Uh, also, um, when we look at education levels, uh, 10% or 10 individuals rather had completed their bachelor degree and five had completed their master degree. Um, so that gives you a little bit of background on uh, who participated in this study. Uh, research question one, what leadership strategies and practices are employed by long-tenured youth ministers and churches of Christ? I developed multiple research questions or interview questions rather to complement the research questions. 
And you'll notice that these are not in order in each of these categories, and that's because my committee asked me to restructure the original questions that I created to more fully complement the research question itself. So you see these four interview questions here, I'm not going to read those right now, I just want to show you the responses based on each of these questions, so we'll take a look at these one at a time. So the first question is, how would you describe your leadership approach? Ironically, a few of the participants said, I've never been asked that question, even though they're leaders in their churches, uh, even if it is in a church within a church. And so you'll notice up here that um, the themes that you see at the bottom of the graphs are themes that I created as I was an instrument in the study to help me categorize the feedback that I received. And so 13 of 15 individuals, as they described their leadership approach, exhibited high self-awareness about how they operate as a leader. If you've done any reading at all of Daniel Goldman's work on emotional intelligence, self-awareness is one of the top traits of highly emotionally intelligent people. And so I think this is really, really a good, uh, a good thing. Eleven are relationally oriented or describe themselves in relationally oriented ways. Uh, eight as servant leaders, six as process minded. So when you look at this uh, feedback, uh, you'll notice that, um, again, they describe themselves uh, in ways that uh, expressed behaviorally. They're highly self-aware. Um, of the participants, participants 3, 5, 9, 11, 12, 14, and 15 mention words such as collaborative, uh, team player, uh, to describe the relationships that they share with teenagers and parents and elders and other staff members. And so I heard a lot of this relational orientation. Um, servant leaders, uh, participant nine said, my job uh, is to model what I would like um, to emulate or see. And so that was one example of servant leader language. There were many other examples of that. Uh, our youth ministers, many of them are process-minded, or at least many long-term youth ministers are very process-minded. We need to architect what vision looks like and then bring people into that and start explaining what that looks like and what it is on a limited basis until I create a critical mass or synergy in order for them to help me carry it out. So do you see the process, the linear thought process of this one particular individual who was talking about vision? Um, speaking of vision, uh, some were visionary, about uh, one-third of those who were long-tenured uh, talked about how they as leaders are visionaries. Uh, I can see the big picture and then I can see all the steps that need to happen for that big picture to work, participant two. And then some used empowering and, and uh, innovative language as well. Interview question two, what strategies and practices contributed to your long tenure at the same church? Um, all 15 of the participants indicated that they were um, really living into an others-focused environment. And I think that was a huge discovery for me, that it was never about me as the minister. It's always about how can I engage and incorporate and leverage uh, those around me. Matter of fact, some of them described their first couple of years in ministry trying to live as a, a lone ranger and how utterly disastrous that was. And so learning to grow relationally also parallels back to the observation on the previous question about self-awareness and the ability to grow in that self-awareness over time. Uh, I heard the word accountability a lot as a strategy and practice uh, I uh, am not uh, a Lone Ranger. That was actually one of the quotes that one of the individuals said, or no longer being one. And so uh, there's a craving for accountable relationships with their elders, with their staff, with their parents, uh, even with their peers. Uh, living into one's calling is another strategy or a practice that contributes to long tenure. And these individuals believe that God called them into youth ministry, and that's why they're staying put. I heard uh, quite a bit of language about I never intended to use stepping stone, uh, youth ministry as a stepping stone into another position. Um, so from the very beginning, I knew I was, I was at the right church, uh, Christopher 13 said. And uh, this is an individual who's been at the same church for almost 25 years uh, in the position of youth minister. 
And so that's pretty, uh, pretty incredible and quite rare, actually. Uh, standards of excellence is something that individuals also embrace. You can see a quote there from participant number uh, seven. And I love this. What I explain is the most important thing in our ministry is that you are involved somewhere else in the church. And so that was a standard of excellence for this particular individual. If my teenagers are involved in at least one other ministry, and I think this is the same one who said, if you're missing Bible class because you're serving in the nursery, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I want you to be in the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, so, again, a, a unique perspective. Uh, mentoring uh, is very, very important, um, and both being a mentor and also being mentored. That was a strategy and practice that was pretty prevalent in the study. Uh, moving on to uh, interview question five, what strategies did you use to overcome challenges? That actually is a response to interview question four, which I'll come back to here in just a sec. Um, but um, the key thing was strategic relationships. That was the number one theme that surfaced uh, when people overcame various challenges that they faced over time. And I use the term strategic relationship uh, because a strategic uh, uh, relationship uh, is it pur purposefully formed okay, to help overcome uh, challenges. Uh, and that's different than the next category, which is a deeper relationship. A strategic relationship doesn't necessarily have to become a deeper relationship. Okay? Uh, and the deeper relationships sometimes were more about friendships or growing in relationships with others. Um, and really wanting to know what's important to other people. And they're not mutually exclusive, obviously, but they are different. Uh, making very, very healthy choices, uh, constantly being able to admit failure has been huge for us. And so learning to admit when things aren't going well and actually growing from that uh, was something that I heard as a very healthy choice that at least one individual was making. Practicing spiritual disciplines. Uh, one youth minister just said prayer is huge. So they are trying to practice the spiritual disciplines uh, as a contributor to overcoming challenges. And then innovation and living in division, again, were themes that popped up fairly consistently, just not as often. Interview question 10, what personal characteristics, traits, training, education have been instrumental in your success as a youth minister? Area of study uh, was mentioned for some. My youth ministry professor advised us to not major in Bible. He encouraged us to major uh, in a topic that would complement youth ministry, which is why my undergraduate degree is in management. Uh, what's really fascinating about the study is uh, almost half of the participants in the study did not major in youth ministry. And they're some of the ones who have been uh, in their jobs the longest. Isn't that interesting? Uh, at least it was to me. <laughs> the impact of relationships, also uh, some characteristics. Um, feedback offered by multiple participants revealed a deep appreciation for relationships formed with faculty administrators who took interest in them personally. And so if you really connected with a professor uh, or someone else in the university who took interest in you, that was, that was pretty important. Many of these individuals still call those mentors and professors on a consistent basis to troubleshoot, to process, um, and, and pray with. Um, also, internships was a, a, a major, major finding in the study, both having interns and being an intern. And so I was very excited about this because it helped me articulate a framework in my mind that hopefully I can ultimately help churches with who are thinking about the poss a, a possibility of having interns uh, in their uh, future ministries. Uh, Non-substantive contribution was mentioned by some. Uh, my training, my background, my education, quite frankly, didn't do a whole lot for me. Okay, so I heard that some, uh, but we got to remember these individuals, many of them were in school 20 and 30 years ago studying youth ministry when it was a fledgling discipline. And so we've made a tremendous amount of strides. Uh, Walter Sherdaki, who preaches or teaches youth ministry at David Lipscomb, when I shared this, he was in a presentation and he just sat back there doing this. <laughs> he was shaking his head no, because he understands now that we've really, really come uh, a long way. Uh, also, the impact of the campus and the church ministry that they grew up in uh, had a, uh, a big impact on them. 
So I'm moving kind of rapidly here, and I know you probably feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. Remember when I said earlier, I'll send you the slide deck, okay? So I want to give you opportunity to pray on that and process. Um, but let me go a little bit further, and then we'll stop and see if you've got some questions, because what I really want to do is I really want to get to the findings. Uh, research question two, what challenges do long-tenured youth ministers face as they implement leadership strategies and practices within churches of Christ? Uh, and here are the questions that parallel or feed information back to this particular research question. Um, of those 15 individuals who participated, 13 of them indicated that they have or are experiencing resistance. So they have in the past or they are experiencing resistance. Now, that makes sense to me. It's impossible to be in ministry and not experience some type of resistance. Okay. Uh, but two of the individuals actually said, I really can't think of much resistance that I've experienced uh, because the culture of their church is so strong that the culture of their ministry hasn't really been brought into question very often. So um, if you experience resistance, how do you respond? And the first was growing in discernment, growing in their ability to discern, and not exclusively as individuals, bringing around uh, themselves people who can help them through the discernment process. So discerning how to discern was a theme that also uh, surfaced. Spiritual maturity, growing in their spiritual maturity was also a sign or a means that individuals used uh, to respond to resistance. Being a, a community builder and so not isolating or withdrawing into his or her office or into a shell, but being very purposeful about living into the community and trying to build bridges more so than walls. And then here's this idea, again, of living into uh, uh, calling. It's not about me. It's about what I've been called to do. That was a great quote uh, from participant three. Um, some of the major challenges, what were the major challenges? Um, the first was in intra-personal leadership issues, uh, leadership issues from within the individual. I put it this way, I don't get along with myself half the time. Does that make sense to any of you in the room? Uh, so I personally have experienced lots of intra-personal conflict. Um, and, uh, you know, we see here um, learning to be a better teacher or struggling with complacency. These were some of the things that individuals dealt with. Uh, in their long tenure. There's also interpersonal conflict, which is conflict with other people or conflict in the system, one family being conflicted with another family. And so one of the things that has challenged me has been the elders' leadership style. That was a theme that I heard from at least a handful of the participants. There also were some systemic issues, elder turnover, for example. So if you've been at the same church for 10 years, the elders who hired you probably are not the same elders you're serving under now, or at least there's a great likelihood that's the case. So their expectations may be radically different than the expectations of those who actually brought you into the church. So it makes sense that that would be where some challenges would come from. Life transitions, I was hired, uh, one youth minister said when I was single, I got married, we had children. And talking about how that changed the dynamics relationally and the expectations of the children, the teenagers, when I used to spend, you know, 40 hours a week with the teens, and then that went to 20, and then that went to 10, and now I'm raising up individuals to spend time with them and some of the, the dynamics that that uh, causes. Uh, research, uh, or in, uh, interview question six um, was the impact of the, 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 ch uh, the challenges. Did any of these challenges change the way you lead? And uh, 15 out of 15 said, yes, my challenges changed how I lead. So everyone said I adapted my leadership style based on these challenges. One was they grew in spiritual maturity. Uh, one of the participants said, I'm, I'm more forgiving. I'm more grace-oriented. And so that's a sign that they experienced some spiritual maturity uh, as they grew in their ministry. Uh, many of them renegotiated their ministry approach. Participant 7 said, I had to change everything. <laughs> and uh, so quite intriguing to see that, you know, I'm not going to keep beating my head against the wall. I'm going to back up and figure out some ways to do things differently. They also grew as servant leaders. I heard that theme from five participants. 
um, their skill sets were challenged was another uh, another uh, thing that we saw and also growing into that idea of being a community builder. Uh, so interview question or research question three rather was how do they measure success? And so I broke this into two uh, interview questions. How does your governing board measure success? And how do you measure success personally of youth ministry? And uh, so uh, some said about nine participants as we thought about how the governing board measures success. Nine out of 15 said it's a moving target. Uh, participant 13 said, I've had two formal evaluations in 10 plus years of ministry. Okay. And so a lot of churches that I've done consulting with and a lot of churches where I've, I've coached, this is one of the major albatrosses uh, around a church's neck. How do we evaluate uh, the performance of our staff? Um, and so it's really, really been an issue and continues to be. Uh, Eight said it's a very informal process related to how the church evaluates success. I love this quote, though, from participant three. My responsibility is to be proactive in giving my elders information. So this is an individual that doesn't wait for the elders to ask. He sends an email synopsis every Friday. This is what I've done this week. And he's done that for over 10 years. Great audit trail, by the way. <laughs> right? If one of the elders comes back and says, hey, you never, oh, let's see, that was e uh, email synopsis, you know, on uh, January 3rd, uh, whatever. So it's uh, kind of a really good idea. Uh, many of the participants said there is a formal process, but even in the formal process, that's also something, a, move, a moving target. Um, but uh, about half said that they do participate in some type of formal evaluation annually. Uh, for one individual, it's quarterly. Uh, so it just kind of varied church to church. Six individuals uh, indicated it's based on anecdotal feedback. If they're not hearing complaints, then it's okay. Participant eight, okay? And so we have a tendency in, in, in churches to do a lot of what we do based on anecdotal feedback. Uh, some said our system is broken. Uh, it's very sterile. It's very business type model. Seems to be more about nickels and noses. So participant nine indicated that. Um, and then some uh, indicated that it was based on various maturity markers. Uh, I love this quote by participant 14, our elders hire people they expect to be awesome. That's a great quote, okay? Those of you in ministry should get t-shirts that say that on it and uh, wear that around. How do you personally evaluate successful youth ministry outcomes? So these are the individuals rating their successes or the success of their ministries uh, so on Tuesday after a retreat, uh, we all sit down together and process whether or not we should do this event again. It's very, very informal, but it's an example of what an informal evaluation looks like, okay, from participant 11. And about 11 of the individuals in the study use informal processes to understand how well their ministries are doing. They also look at discipleship outcomes. Uh, when kids graduate, are they moving into ministry within other churches? Are they giving back? Participant three actually tracks his graduates over time. Uh, some use a very formal process. Uh, one youth minister said, I have every kid's name up in my office on big post-it note sheets. And so literally writes the name of every student and every newcomer puts these on post-it notes around his office and he prays for those individuals by name every day. Because <coughs> he just scans those post-it notes. Pretty powerful approach. Uh, little to no emphasis on numbers. That was a theme that I heard from about a third of the participants. Uh, don't, I, I keep up with them, but it's not how I measure success, participant 14 said. Many of them said it was a moving target. They do utilize some spiritual maturity markers to analyze if their ministry is successful or not, and many of them also rely on anecdotal feedback uh, from parents and uh, teens who have moved through their ministry. Okay, last research question. What recommendations would you make um, for uh, implementing leadership strategies and practices to those within their profession. So we had three interview questions that informed this research question. Uh, six talked about accountability. On a number of occasions, I asked my elders to be very specific with me, participant nine said. And so they encouraged others to be held accountable uh, when you're thinking about what counsel have you given your governing board on how to lead you effectively. Uh, accessible, 
uh, one participant said, I need their feedback, talking about his elders. I need their encouragement. I need their prayers. And so there was a need for accessibility. Effective communication, leading uh, my leaders, little to no counsel. So these were some of the themes that developed as individuals uh, talked to me about um, how um, counsel they've given their governing board on how to lead them effectively. Uh, what counsel would you offer to others in your profession related to leadership? 11 out of 15 said be intentionally relational. Uh, never settle for uh, the relationship being where it is, uh, participant 7 said, and I love that. Always, always try to be growing. Be very authentic. Participant 13 said just be you. And I think that's really, really good counsel as well. Be a community leader. Uh, one of the things that I heard was I don't ever want my youth ministry to live in a silo. I want to be intentionally, intentionally relational with the rest of the church. I want our teenagers to be involved in other areas of the church. Uh, establish very healthy uh, boundaries. Uh, half the participants said this was very important for them. So whether it's their day off or retreat time or Sabbath time, whatever that looks like, about half the participants were very purposeful about that. Practice spiritual disciplines, a little over a third. Uh, team up with God and don't try to do it on your own, participant three said. Uh, and then be intentionally diverse and be a um, visionary. I love this quote from participant one, professionally rip off every great ideal you can, get more adults involved and involve multiple personality types to kind of represent the, the holistic flavor of your church. And then finally, research question four, is there anything you would like to share that you think is relevant to this study? Um, one individual said, ground everything in prayer. So about half of the individuals offered some measure of spiritual counsel. Uh, six offered practical counsel. Work at your church and with your church. Kind of speaks against the Lone Ranger narrative uh, that uh, many youth ministers have, have struggled with over the years. Um, emotional counsel, be honest with yourself, your spouse, and your church. One individual in the study indicated that um, there is enough self-awareness when the going gets rough. I engage with a professional counselor for four to six weeks to make sure that my mind is right. Um, I reach out to my mentors when I'm in a tough situation to make sure that I'm processing well. So just again, some signs of really, really good health. Uh, commit to longevity. Participant 8 said longevity pays off. And not financially uh, was not the, not the point. It was just really about emotionally, mentally, spiritually, longevity pays off. Uh, and then you can see a couple of things there were just organizational commitment and find joy in ministry. So there are some conclusions and recommendations, but let me stop first and see if you have any initial questions or observations. I know that's a lot to throw at you, but the dissertation was 200 pages long. I'm trying to condense that in 45 minutes. A strong correlation between longevity and effectiveness in youth ministry? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, because a couple of the individuals that I interviewed, the young men in their uh, youth groups who were teenagers are now serving some of them as their elders. So you think about just that cycle of life, or uh, the young ladies who are leading mission trips now that they took them on as teenagers. And so one of the things that they said was, you know, the, 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 the strength of the relationship was so powerful. It's one of the reasons that some of our young men and women who are coming back to our church, that's, what they, that's why they said they're coming back. Because they want their children to experience that same faith development journey that they were able to experience. So yeah, great question. Yeah, anything else before we move on? You guys are great. Awesome. All right, let's continue a little bit further. Let me share some of the key findings with you, because I think this may be where some of our real questions hopefully will uh, generate. So long-tenured youth ministers and churches of Christ place a lot of emphasis on growing deeply into relationships with God and with other people. Um, so uh, an outcome of deeper relationships is discernment. Obviously, that's very highly um, influenced by spiritual maturity. And so you, you see things pop up like criticism or some passive aggressive behaviors, etc. And it equips them to be able to lead 
through that, not just survive it. Uh, also, discernment is considered one of the nine uh, top attributes of Christian spiritual leadership. If you remember any of the work uh, by Blackaby and Blackaby a few years back on spiritual leadership, uh, that ability to discern is very, very important. Um, discerning leaders in this study exhibited, and they described, as I said, a very high sense of self-awareness. They generally are very much in touch with their emotions. Um, they know when they need to reach out with mentors, uh, to, to connect, uh, reconnect with local church leaders. Uh, you see some of the other characteristics that are listed there. Uh, Daniel Goldman identified the practice of self-awareness as a foundational personal competency of emotional intelligence. And underneath that category, there are competencies that he identified, such as self-regulation, motivation, handling relationships, social skills, and as I look at the study, I see those characteristics exhibited by those who have been at the same church for a long, long time. Um, eight participants described themselves using servant leadership language, but what's really fascinating to me is, even though they were describing themselves using servant leadership language, I didn't pick up on any familiarity with the leadership, uh, servant leadership framework. So any of you familiar with the work of Robert Greenleaf? And servant leadership. Okay, so it's a it's a, a, a very powerful framework. Uh, Greenleaf, him, Greenleaf himself grew up in the Quaker faith, um, and it highly influenced his understanding of servant leadership. Even though when he wrote the work on servant leadership, he worked for AT and T as an executive, not from a pastoral perspective. And uh, so, anyway, uh, interesting to see that that happening. Uh, listening, vision, commitment to the growth of others. These are some of the characteristics of servant leadership, and those themes popped several, time, uh, several times in the study. Uh, internships, major contributor. So multiple participants mentioned the role their uh, personal internships played in preparing them for professional ministry. I had an, uh, a youth ministry internship with Jim Moss uh, back in the late uh, 1980s. And so I worked with Jim for two years. Uh, Big Don Williams was kind of the grandfather of youth ministry and churches of Christ west of the Mississippi. Jim Moss was kind of the grandfather of youth ministry and churches of Christ east of the Mississippi. Okay? And uh, so uh, that internship changed, you know, my concept of what it meant to minister to teenagers. And I heard that same refrain by several of the participants in the study. Nine commented on the positive difference their internships have programs that they're overseeing made for their respective ministries. Um, and almost all of them mentioned they were a su substantial contributor to long uh, tenure at the same church. So by incorporating internships into their ministry, it's keeping them, even though they're getting older, it's keeping them fresh and relevant because they've got translators serving in the intern role, right, to uh, maybe be the hip and trendy uh, relationship piece, but they're the rock. The youth ministers themselves are the rock that now has the credibility to speak life to the parents and to the teens and to their peers and to coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a lot of interpersonal and interpersonal issues as a significant finding. And that's very consistent with this profession. If you read any who uh, write about youth ministry and youth ministry development. Uh, so we saw things like wrestling with complacency, uh, trying to not get into the decision-making business for teenagers, contemplating uh, offers to transition to other churches, uh, which in our fellowship happens quite often. Uh, and then weathering seasons that contribute to potential burnout were mentioned by about by 73% of the participants. So there's a lot of intrapersonal uh, uh, conflict that is experienced and then interpersonal um, leadership issues, parent issues, elders, staff issues uh, really seem to be where most of the interpersonal conflict takes place. And that's not rocket science. That obviously is going to be part of any, any job uh, environment. Um, and by the way, as we go through this, please feel free to, to say, hey, I'd like to make an observation or ask a question. Another organizational learning opportunity uh, is, is finding, finding involved the use of lack of, of use of consistent evaluation processes. And this is quite intriguing uh, to me. Nine participants indicated 
that those who supervise them utilize uh, a moving target. And some youth ministers are evaluated by their elders, some by an executive minister. A couple of them report to the preaching minister. So there's nothing standardized uh, in our fellowship related to uh, evaluation uh, processes or what makes a successful youth ministry. Uh, six indicated that their success evaluation is that anecdotal. And then two schools of thought also emerged. Uh, those who work for their leaders and those who work with their leaders. And I will tell you, I am a much, much, much bigger fan of the latter, those who work with their leaders. And I think it is probably not wise for elders to dismiss staff from their leadership sessions. I think their staff need to have a seat at the table. Uh, otherwise, you're making decisions on partial information, and that puts you at a great disadvantage as elders and as staff, quite frankly. Um, education does play an important role, but there were two intriguing caveats. Uh, almost one half did not major in youth ministry. Again, that just intrigues me. Uh, of those who did, only two indicated that what they learned uh, while in their coursework significantly prepared them to enter the field. And I do think that's changing. I really, really do think that's changing. Uh, but years ago, we were much, much more probably about creating a youth ministry program now our curricula seems to be orienting us better about how to disciple young men and young women as they grow in their faith. And so it's just a very, you know, a good transition that we've experienced. Our relationship with God and others are critical for long-term uh, tenure. Or this, this was another key finding in the study. Uh, and I'm not going to read this to you up here uh, on uh, the screen, but this is not a new phenomenon, right? Jesus said... By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, John 13. And so we're just modeling uh, what we see Jesus modeling more and more and more. Um, so some implications of the study uh, for youth ministers and those just getting started. Uh, it does align, the study aligns with observations by multiple authors uh, who encourage uh, Christian youth ministers to maintain appropriate boundaries and practice uh, holistic, personal and family care as they continue to grow as believers and leaders. And so lots of authors right now are pushing that same narrative. Um, the importance of a relational orientation in response to the question, what qualities of character will be true of them uh, in the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities study conducted by Jack and Ray, being relational surface as a key theme. And so even a few uh, years ago, 2005, this was already on the radar. You're not going to make it as a Lone Ranger. You just won't, you won't, there's no way you can sustain it. There's no way you can survive it long term. So uh, grow, grow, grow into relationships. Um, for future youth ministers and those just getting started, the importance of internships uh, for youth ministry students. It's important to find um, an internship. And, and in, the, in the guts of the dissertation, I actually talk about some recommendations, recommendations on how to do that that you're not just uh, being interviewed by a church. As you go in for interviews, you also need to interview the church and find out philosophically if there's a good alignment um, because you don't want to just be an errand boy or an errand girl for a summer. You don't want to be a gopher. You want to learn tools in your toolbox to really, really excel long-term in youth ministry. Um, and also it's important for church leaders and aging youth ministers to utilize and leverage the power of internships to very, very positive outcomes. Uh, mentors uh, surface as a major finding as well, uh, and that's consistent with the principles of transformational leadership and, and encourages learning and achievement and individual growth. And then the importance of conflict management training. Um, I am a major proponent of textual study in youth ministry. A lot of folks are not, but I'm a major proponent of it. I think youth ministers do need to know Greek. I think they do need to know Hebrew, and I think they need to have those tools in their toolbox because when you're trying to disciple children and young adults and parents, where should you draw from first and foremost? It needs to be from the Word of God because there's supernatural power in the Word of God. So if you're only drawing from your lived experience or from anecdotal feedback or what you're reading in another author's book about 
what's in the Bible, then you're into second, third, fourth generation passion at that point. So let your passion come from the Word of God. But I also believe we've got to balance that more effectively with some very practical coursework, especially on conflict management. Have you noticed that our churches, some of them are in conflict? Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, probably a gross overstatement, right? Uh, or understatement, rather. Um, so if we don't equip youth ministers how to handle conflict and even lead through conflict, we're doing them a great disservice. Uh, because in some cases, um, they, again, can become scapegoats if, if the system, if the pain in the system just gets to be too high. For church leaders, so for elders, for other staff members, uh, thinking about a leadership framework, reframing the relationship from for to with, and giving youth ministers opportunities for their voices to be heard, I think it may lead to even more productive environments. So, you know, I understand sometimes that elders need to go into executive session. I get that. Um, but I, I want to encourage you, you know, a couple of the guys said, I, I go to my leaders' meetings quarterly. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough. You, you're, you're in this together. Uh, internships, uh, I think it may encourage elders to open the door for that possibility. And I uh, would be very happy to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about that. Um, if you've never had an internship structure, but you might like to consider one. A couple more things, just practical courses for universities and seminars. Uh, on team building, practicing self-awareness, uh, some of the other themes that surfaced in the study. Uh, if we don't do this, then we're, we're only partially preparing our young men and young women to go into this field versus really, really helping put the right arrows in their, uh, in their quivers. Uh, just a couple of observations that I made. Uh, all of the participants exhibited very healthy self-awareness. Uh, they were all highly relational, and so these were some major positives that I saw. Uh, as I went through the study. Uh, they love their jobs. They love the teens in their churches. And so I think that's a really, really good thing. Um, they have a desire uh, for the next generation of youth ministers to be successful. 11 out of 15 encouraged others in youth ministry to be intentionally relational. Eight encouraged them to be authentic. Uh, seven encouraged them to be community builders and establish healthy boundaries and, and six encourage others to practice spiritual disciplines um, I won't say I was disappointed in this last finding but I was a little bit surprised I had hoped that the practicing of spiritual disciplines would have been one of the weightier findings it actually was one of the less weighty findings and uh, so um, that's something I think maybe is an area of improvement uh, for all of us in ministry, but specifically in this study, youth ministry, to, to, to not shy away from being in the Word uh, or being more disciplined with prayer, fasting, service, etc., etc. Um, so that's it. <laughs> that's the study. What questions do you have? What observations do you have? I was kind of interested in you talking about working a minister working with instead of four. Yes. And then also talking about some of the struggles that ministers face are intra uh, or introspective or introvertional. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering, do you think that in some cases those two things are related where there's an intrapersonal struggle that youth ministers face that leads to a mindset of, well, I'm, I'm almost having to defend myself mm -hmm. or I'm almost having to... Um, do this alone, and that's me against. I hear it all the time. It's me against the elders, or uh, you know, that's what they want yes. and what I want. Do you right. think the two are related? That's a great question. And actually, I need to go back and cross tabulate and see if there is a direct correlation. I, I would say, anecdotally, and just based on reflections from the study, I would say that yes, those things are definitely tied together. Because you're kind of always guessing if you're not part of the ongoing narrative. It's always a moving target, right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> You talked about um, appropriate boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, is there any that kept on coming? Like, um, what sort of issues were like um, had to draw on? Yeah. So some of the appropriate boundaries that I heard one related to just Sabbath. So most of the youth ministers uh, in the study um, either practiced or were encouraged to practice taking a day of the week that is just a day of siloing, but purposeful siloing. So either getting away or spending that time exclusively with family, 
but just learning also what to say no to. So several of them said, you know, I, I can't go to every baseball game. I can't go to every band performance. I can't go to, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that is. So learning that a boundary then is, is that I don't have to be the person that's at all of those things. I need to be equipping others relationally so that we as a body are, you know, it's just as exciting if one of the elders shows up for the baseball game as it is, as it is if I show up. And then learning to communicate that is, is purposeful relationship building, not, well, the youth minister's never in any of my kids' games, so he or she's not doing their job. You know, that's, that's missing the point. So just learning what to say no to, learning what to say yes to, but, but not doing that for how it impacts you. It's really learning what to say yes to, learning what to say no to, and then creating a framework of ministry that, that complements what you're saying yes and no to and vice versa. Was there anything, because um, I'm sure the job of uh, youth ministers involved a lot of relation and a lot of emotional attachment to kids. Yes. Was there anything about how to balance that not to burn out because I'm sure because of the needs for the and also the relationship is yes. so intense. How do they not burn out? Yeah, the, the, the top two strategies that I heard when you're dealing and the question was since youth ministry is so demanding and it's so highly relational, how do they not burn out? The top two strategies that I heard uh, is reaching out to mentors. So a few of them mentioned some troublesome situations that had happened and one of the very first things they do is pick up the phone and say, here's what's going on, here are my plans, now troubleshoot with me. So mentors uh, was, was one. Uh, leveraging the power of the internships was another. So that they're not taking on all of the emotional uh, you know, victories and pain of the system, but have others who are joining them in, in prayer. And really, I probably should expand that, not just to the interns. You know, it really complements this idea of relationships with elders, relationships with staff members, relationships with interns, again, so that we're leveraging the power of multiple relationships in the context of the body. David. Trouble I see with our new youth minister is the teens are being pulled away from those my age. Mm. That there's not the involvement with the congregation mm -hmm. that I think there should be. Mm. How do they address that to include multi-generational. Yeah, I think one of the things that I heard that, you know, it was participant seven in the study that made this observation was that in, in, in his particular ministry, it's actually an expectation that teenagers are plugged into other parts of the body. And so that's one of his success metrics. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I work for a church that we are very siloed. We're trying to break through this. A family walks in the door of our church and if there's four generations in the family, each one goes to a different part of the, the facility. And, you know, it's not, ne it's not necessarily all bad, but I don't think it's all good either. Uh, because Scripture doesn't paint that narrative. You know, Scripture paints that the, 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 the older and the younger, there's a dynamic there that is very godly in its makeup. And so um, if I were coaching a, a youth minister, or really anyone, a church staff for that matter, I would coach against that siloing phenomenon. Um, and we have to think about, okay, what school of thought did you come from? You know, what, what resources are you reading? How are you uh, living into your youth ministry, the culture you're trying to create? So I don't want to be a sledgehammer, but I wouldn't mind being sandpaper. <laughs> and kind of refining that a little bit, you know, as time goes through. and or time goes on, rather. Uh, but that's that would be a red flag for me because I don't know how long that's sustainable, kind of being on an island in the context of the body. Just a thought. Um, it could also be that in today's young people, they walk in, they look around and go, there's no place for me here. Yeah. But when they are taken into an area where, oh, there's people like me here, and they're just as weird as I am. <laughs> and if the guy guy, gal or guy, uh, are, uh, the goal is core buildup mm. so that you can send them out. It depends on how strong your youth group is. Great if you've got a strong leadership core, mm. uh, junior seniors that are, whoa, you know, mm -hmm. then they take them and go, hey, we love you, but you know what? You could serve here yeah. or whatever. Right. So it kind of depends on how long the guy's been there, if he's 
you know, yeah. with a goal of going back. Right. You know. Yeah, very well said. One, a very dear friend of mine who's a counselor said, you know, all behavior makes sense in context. So we got to know the context, right? So we can figure out kind of how to behave in that context. Yeah, yeah. great observation. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. So just to speak a little bit to that, because that's one of the things that we struggle with as well. And I think probably we can all relate to that in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Surely. Surely. Definitely not, not pointing fingers at anyone. Yes. But one of the things that we're doing in our church that I'm starting to see results from, I'm the youth minister in our church, is every fifth Sunday, we have a youth-led service. Oh, okay. And it is youth-led from the front door all the way through the service. Wow. Um, with the exception of preaching, because unfortunately I don't have a kid ready to preach yet, I do the preaching on those days, but I'm, I'm working on that. All right. But but what I'm seeing is a couple of different things. Number one, I'm seeing some of the more senior saints in our congregation seeing that the young people are invested and that they care about what's going on at our church. Mm. And what that's doing is that's opening up dialogues between some of the older members and the younger members that wouldn't have been there before, because now they feel like they have something to talk about. Mm. Even if it's just as simple as going to one of the young kids and saying, wow, you did a great job with the scripture reading today. Because up up to me taking over this position, there had it was a very noticeable difference. The service was run by the older folks in our church, and it mm -hmm. had just always been that way. Mm -hmm. So now that we're starting to integrate the young kids, and not just on the fifth Sundays, but every Sunday, we're integrating the young people into the service. It's opening up those lines of communications between the two. And what we're finding is, even though there's a big generational difference, they're finding that common ground mm -hmm. because we're all working towards the same thing. And it's really been uplifting to see this actually happening. And I'm really excited to see where it's gonna go from here. And, and I'm encouraging uh, some of our older folks to really take a mentor type role to mm -hmm. some of these kids. Yes. And if you see ways that they can do even better at what they're doing from an encouraging, positive, uplifting standpoint, then by all means, go to that person and say, hey, I love what you're doing, try this. Or hey, when I was your age, I didn't have the guts to get up there and give a scripture reading. So keep doing what you're doing. And it's opening up those relationships, whereas before they felt like maybe they don't have anything to talk to that person about. Yeah, great. And I'm seeing it starting to go both ways. Awesome, so. awesome. Love it. Thanks for the intentionality, too. That's really, really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yes? One of the things that we're doing to that same situation is uh, we, a lot of our older uh, members do their stuff during the day. And so during the school year, it's hard for the teens to mm -hmm. get Well, we're making it intentional this summer when the kids are out of school to come to a lot of their activities and integrate some of this, trying to Great. react in a social yeah. element Getting outside the summer. <laughs> so, I love that. And so, that, you know, they have activity, they have potlucks, they have all kinds of stuff they plan year round. Yeah. Well, our kids can't do that because of school, but in summer they can. Right. So we're going to integrate what shepherds. I love that. Yeah, we're having a lot of success uh, with intergenerational Bible studies in our church right now as well. And it's, it's a feeding time, physically feeding, and, and a spiritual feeding time. And so some of that same types of dynamic that you're, dynamics that you're describing. What you said everybody in your study were, were blind. That's correct. And what effect? would you see it ethnic and even you know I was a youth minister for a long time in right. my previous life uh, 25 years but but uh, you know in Colorado is very different than where I grew up in Texas mm -hmm. and the effect of the different cultures that they might be from and ethnicity and all of that is affecting long term mm -hmm. tenure yeah yeah. Uh, well, you know, it would be fascinating to replicate this study and, and pull a sample from multiple fellowships and multiple uh, demographic and geographic locations as well. Where, where were most of these guys? These, they were from all over the country because they actually came to the NCYM conference. And we tried to identify, you know, long-tenured uh, leaders from various minorities. We, we did purposeful sampling. Sure. But you know we're a we're a pretty white fellowship, and uh, those in youth ministry, not exclusively of course, but those who study youth ministry in our Christian universities have predominantly been been white. So um, yeah, that's that will be a great future study at some point, and to maybe even back up a little bit and look at purposeful sampling, possibly with five years or. Um, 
being being more intentional about opening this up to a broader audience. Of the, of the 15, what was the, did you ask what side of the congregation it came from? Like it we, we didn't incorporate that into the study, but yes, uh, as an aside, we did ask, and it was all over the place, mm -hmm. uh, really ranging probably from, I think the smallest was just over 200, okay. the largest was a little over 2,000. There wasn't any of the, like 100 or? No, no, no smaller churches. So when you're looking at youth ministers, you know, a long, a long-term ministry, tenure of, you know, 10 plus years, uh, you're also looking at youth ministers who potentially have had their own kids come through the youth. That's correct. Have you seen yes. uh, statistics or from these individuals, any reflection on uh, how they've handled having their own kids Obviously, you want to have volunteers who come in and right. you know stand alongside them because right. you don't want to be the single dynamic personality. But was there was there much that came out about how they handled that transition in their life? Not, not in this particular study. That would make a great study. Yeah. <laughs> it really would. That'd make a great study. Because uh, selfishly, I want to know. I'm yeah. like a year and a half away from the right. first one. Right. Well, you got a you got a year and a half to drive that study, so right. that would be a wonderful research project for you. Actually, so yeah, I can shed some light on that one. Just don't be the uh, problem we've had with some of our youth ministers and, and our, with our own kids is make you have to be very conscious not to favoritize yeah. certain individuals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If certain ones are getting more of the special treatment because they're the elders' kids, or the ministers' kids, or your own kids, you. You got to treat them just yeah. like you're well. That's so very true. That's very oh. true. I got this three minutes after recording at that clock, and it's three minutes fast, so the good news is it's 12 o'clock on those. So I'm uh, happy to stick around, uh, chat, process with any of you. Again, my cell number's up here on the screen, my email address. If there's anything I can help you with, please don't hesitate to give me a shout. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you all being here. Hope you're